Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. Jesus of praise. Woo. Well, thank you again for being here. Uh, we're going to be continuing uh, a sermon series that I started a few weeks ago. If you guys haven't been here, I haven't preached in about three weeks. Amen. And so, um, is that right? In three weeks? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. So we had Brianna preach. We had uh, Pastor Larry preach. How many of you loved that when he was here? It was an amazing, amazing message. Last week we had Chris preach, and uh, his message was so good that it inspired me to use the same text. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So John chapter 15, or similar text. I think it was the same text, right? John 15? Amen. Verse 1. I can't see it, so it doesn't matter. All right, it says, I am the true vine. Everybody say true vine. True vine. And my father is the gardener. Verse 2 says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Everybody say no fruit. No fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I have already spoken to you. Verse 4 says, remain in me. Remain in me. That's key right there. Remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. What does that mean? You're nobody without Jesus. No branch. Doesn't matter how good you preach. Doesn't matter anything. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So notice, no fruit. More fruit, much fruit. Everybody say no fruit. No fruit. More fruit. More fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. There's a love to this. <laughs> Amen. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you will you will you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into fire, and burned. You don't want to be there. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's the stuff. Ask whatever you wish. He doesn't say, ask whatever you need. Tell me your needs. Mm -mm. He says, ask whatever you wish. Good stuff. Verse 8 This is to my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Amen. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I pray, God, that it will penetrate our hearts. I pray that even though this might be a hard word for some, that they will feel the love behind it. 
I pray that they feel the love behind it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The last time I, I shared, I talked about uh, our vision, and I used the chair. How many remember the chair? Yeah. Amen. If you don't remember the chair, go back uh, into our podcast, and it, it's probably the most clearest way that I can communicate the vision. Good news is, though, I'm going to do a recap. Amen? Amen. I know some of you don't like recaps, and I know when you're watching Netflix and the recap, recap comes, right, you kind of fast forward, you can't do anything. <laughs> So chair one, how many remember what chair one is? It's connect people to God. That means come and see. Everybody say come and see. Come and see. That is the easiest chair to go to, right? Some of you, you you're in that stage. Come and see. You're going to come to the YMCA. Why? Because you heard that there was a church there, and it's a weird place to have a church, and that's probably why you're here. Because you want to come and see how they do it, Right? So you're coming and see, but the problem is, is that sometimes we just stay at this church. Come and see is supposed to be a, a very quick thing. You're not supposed to stay seated on this chair. But the truth is this, that some people just continue to come and see. They never get committed. They never start getting raised up inside of the church. They just come in, come out, chill, and they just come and see. You know, you can stay in the seat for years. You can come and see for years. You're just basically just chilling. And you know what happens is, the reason why we do this is because somehow or another, we just feel good about ourselves just by coming to church and feel like we're actually doing something. And you are. You are. But eventually what happens when you just stay in chair one, when you just keep on just coming and seeing, it's like water that sits in the same place. Have you ever smelled water that sits in the same place for a long time? You know what begins to develop if it's attached to something like a cabinet or a wall? You know what happens to water or that wall when that water begins to just sit there? Not only does it just sit there, it begins to smell. Everybody say smell. Smell. The other thing that happens is not only does that, that, that water begin to smell, but it begins to build what? Mold. How many ever seen mold? You, you don't want to be around mold. Especially the black one, right? Because that's what's getting inside of your lungs and now you can't breathe. And sometimes we wonder if the we walk, well, I'm going to church. Sometimes I give. What do I feel? Like nothing is really changing in my life. You're still in chair one. You haven't moved. Chair two, anybody will remember chair two is? Chair two is create, creating disciples. That means you move from come and see to come and follow. You start following Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, you start wanting to live according to the way Jesus wants you to. And so how do you start doing this in this church? Well, in the first one, Come and see chair one. That's the weekend service. You come Sunday service. You keep on coming. And by the way, I'm not knocking chair one people. Please keep on coming. Because sooner or later, God's going to touch your life where he's going to empower you because we can't do it in ourselves to move to chair two, which is like, man, you know what? I've been feeling bad that I haven't been serving inside of my church. I've been feeling bad that I haven't been going to a small group. I haven't been feeling bad that I haven't been growing and I want to move to chair two. And chair two is come and follow me. That's what Jesus says. 
This is where you begin to know your shape. What's shape? Your spiritual gifts. What God has already placed inside of your heart. You start learning your abilities. You start learning your personality. And God begins to use your experiences. What does that mean? That means you have a testimony. And not only do you keep that testimony to yourself, but now God begins to use that testimony to change people's lives. That's true too. Somebody say amen. Amen. Then after church two, there's church three. What's church three? Well, I'm glad you asked. Chair three is when you begin to start being a part of the impact team. Some of you don't know what the impact team. The impact team is what makes all this happen. They get here at nine o'clock in the morning and they set all these curtains up and they set up that light. They set the flags up. That's the impact team. And why do they do that? Because they know that they're just not setting up chairs. They know that every chair represents a soul. Every chair represents a person that is lost. Every chair represents probably a hurting single mother or a drug addict or somebody that is hurting without God. That's why they set up a chair. Because they move from chair one, I just don't want to learn how to pray and read my Bible and live right and be a part of community. No, I want to do what God has called me to do. But it all starts somewhere, doesn't it? It all starts somewhere. And it starts in the impact team. Then chair four is championing the cause. What does it mean to champion something? That means you have a militant desire to fulfill the call of God upon your life. So not only do you go to chair one, not only do you go to chair two, not only do you go to chair two, three, and you start fulfilling the calling upon your life, but now you're grabbing other people. And bring it up to chair four. You start saying to other, other people in your job and stuff like that. You start saying, hey, come and see. Come and see what's happening in my church. Then when they do that, they say, hey, do you want to know how to pray? I can teach you how to pray. Hey, have you joined a youth group? I can tell you how to get there. Hey, have you been on the impact team? I can tell you how to get there. Hey, now that you're championing the, the cause, now that you are fulfilling the call upon your life, now find somebody else. Because it doesn't stop with you. The call of God, if it stops with you, that's not the call of God. That's not the purpose of God. That is your purpose. When the call or your desires stop with you, that is not God's call upon your life. That's your call. That's your desire. But when you start bringing other people to the cause, then, my friend, that's the call. How do you know it's the call of God upon your life? When you know you can't do it. The call of God is always bigger than you. The call of God is always going to let you know this is the call upon your life and my friend, you cannot do it unless God is in it. Amen? So today, I'm going to be talking about the enemies of destiny. The enemies of destiny. In every single chair, there is an enemy between every chair. Between chair one and chair two, there's an enemy. Between chair two and chair three, there's an enemy. Between chair three and chair four, 
There's an enemy. There's a barrier. There is something that's trying to stop you from fulfilling the call of God on your life. How many want to know what enemies? Anybody? You're going to have to do enemies. Amen. You know, one of the things that are, it's not interesting, but one of the things that is so pervading inside of our world is the sickness called cancer, the disease called, the disease called cancer. Amen. I think every single one of us, if I ask you, do you know somebody that has cancer, you probably would know somebody. Amen. How many know somebody that struggled with cancer? Amen. Well, let me give you a description of what cancer is. Cancer is a disease of our day. You know what? what it's a cell that, that uh, when you go into it, there's a program. It's a deviant cell. What it is is that it's Cancer cells, what happens is certain cells inside of your body, they're supposed to leave your body. Cancer cells don't do that. Cancer cells, they continue to feed off of your body and they can continue to grow. To the point where it's so much, there's so many white cells inside of your body that you begin to deteriorate, you begin to die. And if that's something, the same thing as inside of the church. There, there could be a cancer inside of the church. And how can you be a cancer inside of the church? By you just coming and just chilling inside of the church? By you not allowing God to use you? By you not allowing God to fulfill the call of God upon your life? You begin to deteriorate. And so one of the things that the enemy does as he makes us believe that just coming to church is just okay. But my friend, there is something so much better for your life than just coming to church. So much better. So let me give you the, the, the barriers that keep us from bearing fruit. Remember what I said, there's no fruit, there's more fruit, and then there's much fruit. It is always God's design for us to bear fruit. It's always God's design for us to grow. It's always God's design for us to be an impact inside of our lives. And the first barrier is sin. Everybody say sin. We're going in. Amen. We're talking about sin. Now, let me just tell you this. Just because I'm up here doesn't mean that uh, I don't sin. My friend, we all fall short. We all fall short from the glory of God. And if you look up the word sin in the original language, sin is missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. It's almost like you're playing darts, and the goal is to hit the target. The target is the middle. Every time you hit around the target, you are missing the mark. And that is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. And that's why he brings distractions within our lives, because he wants us to miss the mark. What's the mark? The mark is the purposes of God upon your life. My friend, the reason why sin comes is so that we do not bear fruit. And that is ultimately what we want to do. We want to glorify God by bearing fruit. And so sin comes so that we can miss the mark. The other definition for sin is to slip, to fall, or to wander from the path. Have you ever been in a boat? How many have ever been in a boat? A lot of little small boat, right? I've been on a boat where, you know, if you're having a good conversation on a boat 
and the boat, boat is not anchored, sooner or later you're, 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 at the, you're at the dock and you just chill and you think you're still there. And then you're talking for like 20, 30 minutes and then you find yourself in the middle of the ocean. You can't even see land no more. How many have ever been there? That's what happens sometimes though. There's so many times we're so distracted with life and we're so distracted with the things that keeps us, keeps us away from the things of God that we start to drift. All of a sudden, you used to pray every day, but then now you got this new job, or now you got this new relationship, or now you got this new thing inside of your life, and sooner or later, two, three months down the line, down the line you drift, you drift it. You drifted. And that is the plan of the enemy. The plan of the enemy is to cause us to drift. Look what, look what Hebrews chapter 2 verse, uh, verse 1 says. It says this. Therefore, we must pay close attention to what we have heard. Lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression receive a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? He says, how in the world do we think that we are going to stay put and anchored in the things of God if we neglect such a great salvation? He talks about three things. He says, that the reason why we drift is because we don't pay attention to the things we've learned. He says it right here, therefore, we must pay close attention. We must pay close attention. So many times, and the people that I, I've worked with, they know this term. I use the word la la land. Everybody say la la land. When I was in, um, in a discipleship mentorship school, right? Sometimes I would repeat something over and over and over again. And then I would sit them down and I said, you know what? I think the reason why you're not understanding what I'm saying is because you're in la-la land. You're just not comprehending. Not because you're slow. Not because you're not gifted. Not because you're not supposed to be here. It's because you're in la-la land. My kids are always in la-la land. I mean, I tell my son to take out the dog every single day before he starts school. Do you think he does it? I'm putting him on blast. Most of the time he does it. Most of the time he does it. Sometimes he does it. And when he does it, he's in la la. My daughter, I'm not even going to stop there because I always talk about it. But so many times in our walk with God, we're not paying close attention to our prayer life. We're not paying close attention to what the Word of God is saying. And we don't even really spend much time because we don't like to read, my friend. Some of you don't even like going to work, but you still go. Right? But the reason why we keep on drifting, we do good for a few months, and then we drift. We do good for a few months, and then we drift. It's because you're not paying close attention to what we Amen? What's the next thing? You neglect your relationship with God. That's what he says. How? He says this. How shall we escape if we neglect 
such a great salvation. Listen, the only way you are going to hear from God is by talking to Him. Right? The only way God hears from us is by prayer, and the way we hear from God is normally by reading His Word. That's how God talks. If you want God to speak to you every day, then you have to read His Word every day. But if we neglect that, my friend, you're going to drift. You're going to drift. Somebody say amen. Amen. So not only do we have to pay attention, but we neglect our relationship with God, but then we neglect our walk with God. We neglect our walk with God. And my friend, when you start neglecting your walk with, walk with God, you're not going to feel it in the beginning. You're just not. But what begins to happen is three, four months down the road, you're going to be like, how in the world did I do this? Some of you have been shocked by your own sin, but then when you actually analyze, when you begin to analyze, how, how, how long have you actually been in a relationship with God? Have you been praying? Have you been seeking God? Have you been faithful to His Word? Have you been doing what He's called you to do? But if you haven't, my friend, of course you're going to drift. Of course you're not going to be focused. Of course you're not going to be on point. You've drifted. You've neglected your walk with God. There's a difference between your walk and a, your relationship. Your walk is how you live. We can't afford to be a person, a certain person here at church and a different person outside of church. Does that make sense? I'm not calling you to be perfect. God doesn't even call you to be perfect. But God calls us to be faithful. Does that make sense? Amen. Number two, the other thing. Here's the, the second enemy, right? The first enemy is sin. That keeps us from chair one to chair two. What's chair one? That's, that means come and see. Come and see. Sin keeps us from following God faithfully and becoming a disciple. Now from chair two to chair three is this. God, or the enemy I should say, brings good things to stop. Everybody say good things. Good things. What are good things? Not every good thing is a God thing. Everybody say that. Not every good thing, every good thing is a God thing. Is a God thing. Do you know that a blessing can actually keep you away from God? God can, the, the enemy can actually bless you and keep you away from his purposes inside of your life. Amen? So many times we think that good things are God things because, oh, it's more pain. Yeah, it's more pain, but now you can't go to church. So many times you say, well, why is God taking this away from me? And somebody say, amen. Amen. It's a good thing. I love that person. Why in the world is, is this person leaving me all of a sudden? It's a good relationship. Why did they break up with me? I had good health and all of a sudden I didn't have good health to the point where I couldn't even walk. Why did God allow that good thing to be taken away? It's because you might be in a season of being pruned. Right? Because so many times we think that when God takes away a good thing, he's angry with me. God took away a good thing or allowed a good thing to be taken away from me. God's angry. I must have sinned. I must have done something. No, my friend. 
Sometimes it's just going to another level. Sometimes it's God getting you prepared for the next blessing upon your life. And so he prunes you. The same be like, what is that? Well, here's what pruning is. If you talk to a professional gardener, he knows how to prune. And I'm going to tell you something that's not even going to make sense. When he takes a branch full of grapes, let's say, and this is a brand new branch, this is a, a brand new vine, right, of grapes. What the gardener does is he takes the branch that has the most fruit, little small fruit. Let's, say, let's pretend that branch has about 10, 10 grapes on it. And what he does, he doesn't like say, oh my God, we got 10 grapes. Let that branch grow. This one that has two, two grapes, let's cut that one off. No, no, no. What he does, he starts cutting off the one with the most grapes. And some of you might be saying, why? Why would he do that? Because the gardener knows that when he prunes that branch, and leaves only two or three grapes, those two or three grapes, grapes are going to grow so much bigger as if he, if he leaves the other grapes on there. The only way for the grapevine and that branch to grow even more is to cut it. The only way for that branch to bear much fruit is for the gardener to prune it. And so some of us are like, God bless me. God, change me. God, God, let me be more anointed. God, let me fulfill my purpose. And so many times what happens is he allows good things to become. Sometimes we think, man, I should have had a husband already. I should have had a wife. I should have had a career. No, my friend, why? Because you're in a season of pruning. It's cutting away. He's cutting away. Some of you, you've been going through some straight up hell in your life. You've been in a season where you felt depressed. You've been in a season where you feel like God's left you. You've been in a season where you feel like you're not fulfilling God's purpose. And you feel like you're drifting away. You're not drifting away. God's hand is upon your life so that you can bear much And in this season, from chair one to chair two, sin, most of us, if we do what God tells us to do in the word of God and faithfully pray, you can conquer sin. You can conquer sin. But from chair two to chair three, not many people make it because they don't understand how a good God could allow good things to be taken away. But my friend, whenever God allows good things to be taken away is because he has great things in store. I'll say that again. The reason why God allows good things to be taken away is because he has great things Amen. in store. Come I went through that season. When I, I, when, when I had a uh, my muscle disease, and I lost the ability to walk, and I've seen people healed. I've prayed for, for people with cancer, and they went back to the doctor when they had no more cancer. I've prayed people that were deaf, and the person came back to me 
and said, hey, I was watching TV one day, and after you prayed for me, about a week later, my, my ears popped open. And here I am, laying in a hospital, paralyzed. Here I am, laying in a hospital, wondering why God would allow this to happen. And I remember talking to God and saying, God, how in the world have you used me to heal people from deaf ears and heal cancer and all this stuff, and I'm here paralyzed in a hospital. How can, how can you imagine? Good things. God allows good things. Right? We don't understand it. And he's tuning us as we put out some worship. But my friend, if you ask me today, I said, hey, if God would have never put you through that, would you want him to, if he asked you, hey, I'm going to put you through this. Are you okay with it? I would say, I'll probably hesitate because it was pretty rough. But I said, absolutely. You know why? Because before, I, before that happened to me, I knew about God. I knew about his miracles. Oh, my friend. But after that, after God healed me, I'm able to walk. When the doctor says, you're probably going to go on a wall and say that. And I seen him tell me in a hospital bed. And I'm telling God, God, am I ever going to walk again? And I made up my mind, God, I'll still preach. If I have to preach in a wheelchair, if they have to roll me on stage, I'll still preach the gospel. But I just need to know if I can stay like this. And God answers back to me. I didn't know what God was doing that. You know what God was really trying to tell me? He says, Do you trust me in this process? You trust me in this process. And with tears rolling down my face, I began to lift up my hands with tears rolling down my face to the point where my shirt was wet. And I said, God, I trust you. I trust you. Before that time, it took me 30 minutes to take 10 steps. 30 minutes to take 10 steps. After I said that, I took 125 steps. After that, the very next day, I took 250 steps. And it just kept on growing and growing and growing. And you know what he was asking me? Do you trust me in this process? I took a good thing away from you. It wasn't only my health where he allowed it. It was a good paying job that I couldn't go back to. He says, do you trust me in this process? And I can almost hear the Lord even telling me, he says, you asked me that you wanted to be used. This is the price. This is the price. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm, I'm, I'm really not. Because the next instruction is, is the satisfaction and the reason why you get satisfied is because God literally blesses you so much. Right? You think about the, the story of Job where God allowed everything to be taken away. His health, his family, his money. But God blessed him with so much more after that. And what does Job say? He doesn't say, hey, I, I was faithful to God this whole time. No, he says, 
Before this process, I heard about his works. I heard about him. Now that I've been through all of this, I know him. I know him. I know him. My friend, there is a process where you're going to get proved. And I'm not going to say it's so severe as mine. It might be. It might be even more severe. But my friend, if you stay the course, if you stay faithful to it, there is so much more that God has in store for your life. Your loss is never in vain. Your loss is never in vain. Because God wants you to bear much fruit. Much fruit. You cannot be satisfied with bearing no fruit. Because you have to think about your children's children. Some of us, we're not paying the price for our children. We're not paying the price for us. You're paying the price for your children's children. You have no idea what God has. He says, stay the course. And this is what it says here in John chapter 15, verse 7. The third, the third enemy of you becoming what God has called you to do is satisfaction. Or another thing would be you being comfortable. Because I mean, know when God blesses us, right? You start being like, oh man, that was a rough one. That was a rough season. But thank God. You know, he, he blessed me with a great job now. And then all of a sudden, that great job takes you off focus. And now you're so focused on making money instead of doing what God has called you to do. You're so focused on making money that you forgot that you're called to make disciples. Or some of you were like, man, I waited so long for a husband or a wife, but then when you got that husband or wife, and we've seen this so many times, you're gone. Poof, you never come back. I mean, I, I got what I wanted. I mean, I'm in a good season, and I was struggling. I had some bad, bad chips in my life, but God blessed me. I had some bad dudes in my life, but God blessed me. And you get comfortable. God didn't call you to be comfortable. Let me just let me just say this, and you gotta get used to this. God will never call you to be comfortable. Ever, ever, ever. If you are gonna continue to grow in God, you will never be comfortable. If you look at anybody in the Bible, if you look at anybody that's made an impact, they didn't live a comfortable life. They constantly grew. They constantly put themselves in uncomfortable situations. Why? Because they want to be great. And my friend, do you want to be a Christian? Or do you want to be a disciple? Look what he says. John 15, verse 7. He says, he says, if, if, you remain. I remember telling my son, hey, you, you want to play basketball? He says, yeah, I want to play basketball. Well, if you continue to take the dog out, 
if you pass all your grades, all your, all your classes, then you can get what you want. You know the reason why Jesus says, if you remain, is because there's always going to be a temptation not to remain. After you've been proved, and after you've gone through all that hell, you have sometimes the temptation to be bitter and not remain. But in the process of you being proved, you ought not to use that season to get uh, bitter. You have to get better. Your relationship with God has to get better. Your ear listening to his voice shouldn't get worse. It should get better. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My friend, that's, that's what's in store after you've improved. Watch this. He says this, verse 8, this is for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Watch this, showing yourself to be what? My disciples. Does that mean that before I went through this process that he didn't consider me his disciple? Does that mean me being pruned and going through this hard season inside of my life, whether it's waiting or God allowing good things to be removed, does that mean that after I go through that season, he considers me a disciple after that? Yeah. That's what that means. It's after the pruning season that he says, ask whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. After, after you go through that pruning season, then he begins to say, now you're my disciple. Now you're my disciple. Yeah, I know this is a hard word. I get it. But God would allow me to preach this word to you. And some of you haven't been serving God for a long time. It's not because to scare you or to tell you to stop coming to church. It's because God wants to bless you so much. That even during the hard seasons inside of your life, He is probably closest to you during those seasons. And instead, of, and instead of saying, God, why am I going through this situation? Why did you allow all this to happen? You look at the cross. You look at the cross. Because before Jesus went to that cross and he had a name above every name, he was ridiculed. He went through the worst season inside of his life. And he's telling you, the same way God raised me up to have a name above every name, God can raise you up to be a powerful mother. He can raise you up to be the first millionaire in your family. He can raise you up to have your own business. He can raise you up from coming from the hood and the ghetto to being the person that speaks to people about your testimony. Somebody say amen. It's all sin. One thing I need you to understand that these barriers and these shortcomings, God understands every time we fall short. He really does. God understands, listen, 
I've studied, I, I have faced as a pastor the barrier of sin. Where temptation comes and I have a choice. Am I going to do this? Or am I going to keep my going? I've faced the temptation, good things, where good things were taken away, and I have a choice to be angry at God or trust Him in the process. And I promise you, trust Him in the process. Because going through the, that kind of process is better with Jesus than without. I know I'm a good testimony about it. And when God begins to bless you, because He will. And when God begins to answer every single promise, we have to learn to remain. Don't allow the blessings. Don't allow the blessing to keep you away from Jesus. Remain in Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just begin to lift up your hands. I just want you to talk to Jesus. This is probably one of the first messages that I preached like this. And, uh, and I trust the Lord that God is depositing something great inside of your life. Just lift up your hands and just begin to worship Him right now. Some of you, He's going to strengthen you. Some of you are in that process now. God is pruning you. Not because he's angry. Not because you're in sin. He sees. He sees how much you've improved. He sees it. He's not angry. He says, there's so much more. There's so much more. God, I worship you. I give you glory. I give you glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm gonna have my wife come up as she sings. Sings over. Just stay in that atmosphere of worship. God, I worship you. I give you glory. God, we bless your holy name. I pray that you will begin to release strength. I pray that you will begin to release strength. Because what you ask us to do, you give us the anointing and the power to do it. We cannot do it on our own. We are too weak without you. And so God, give us the power to remain. God, we might fall, but God, give us the ability to get right back up. God, we might miss the mark, but God, I pray, give us a heart to repent. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, we all fall short. We all fall short. But it's those that get back up and don't quit. Those are the ones that will make it to the end. So, Father, I give you glory for your grace. I give you glory for your love. God, I know I've fallen so many times, God, but you have picked me back up. And so I thank you, Jesus. God, that you are a God that picks us up. That you are a God that gives us strength. 
That you are a God that in the midst of every season, you strengthen us. Hallelujah. Come on, just worship. Jesus, you're so worthy, so worthy, Lord. Oh,
That's a word from some, from some of you. If you just stay there for a little while, in a moment's time, it's going to change. In a moment's time. God is the God of the suddenly, suddenly of miracles going to happen. Suddenly. So God, I pray right now, God, that there's leaders. Some of you are called to be leaders in this house. Some of you are called to stay here for a while. So I pray for that for those people, God. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that it will rest and that you will confirm over and over and over and over again with strength and power. And I thank you, Jesus, that your love is so sweet. So right now, God, I pray that you will seal it in our hearts. I pray that you will seal it in our hearts. I pray those that are watching online, God, that you'll move upon them and that you will seal it in their hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give Jesus a praise. You may be seated.